How's everybody doing tonight? Are you awesome? Are you blessed coming in, blessed going out? You're the head, not the tail. Above only and not beneath. Devil's under your feet. That means he's not on your body, right? Means he's not in your mind, right? Amen. Open up your Bibles this evening if you would. Rashid, I've got a different verse to start with in Philippians chapter number 3 and verse number 13. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 13. I'm giving this to you because my assignment tonight is to minister on faith literally to change our world. And we've got the faith to change the world. It's just a matter of us appropriating what we've got in our life, but we have to have revelation knowledge to do that, to accomplish what God has already accomplished and set man free from. Can you say amen? But Paul the Apostle makes this statement to the Philippians in verse number 13. He said, brethren, he said, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark of the prize or for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, how many perfect people do I have in here tonight? Well, everybody ought to lift your hand up and say, I'm perfect. He made you that way. You've been perfectly made. Now, it may not look like it. It may not even sometimes sound like it to you. Sometimes you don't act like it. Look at your neighbor and say, that could possibly be you. Doesn't mean that it is, but it could possibly be you. Husbands don't hit your wives. Wives don't hit your husbands. That sort of thing. He said, but I, he said, therefore, as many as be perfect. One of the definitions of the word perfect uh, in the Greek is mature. Mature. How many mature Christians do we have in here? Okay, now everybody can lift your hand, okay? We're working on it, but we're headed for it. By faith, we see it, do we not? We see what it is that the Lord has planned for us. Maybe we've not arrived at that destination yet. But listen, we'll get there if we will keep pressing in to what the Lord has told us to do. Now, I want to make a statement to you before I get into the the real message tonight. God does not consult your past to determine your future. But, everybody say, but. But the devil reminds you of the past so that he can detour you from getting to your future. You see, you and I are a threat to the kingdom of darkness because of whom we possess. We are a possessor of the Lord in our life And because we possess him, 
he has already defeated our adversary. He is a defeated foe. Look at your neighbor and say, he is a defeated foe. You know, he, he only roars like a lion. He is not a lion. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And we are his offspring. That makes us lions. We are bold as a lion. We've got the ability, we've got the authority. If we understand that and we know that, then we need to remind the devil he's defeated in our life and we're not listening to him. Amen. We're not going to pay attention to him. There, uh, there was a gentleman that was uh, talking to his pastor and uh, he said, the devil just keeps sitting on my shoulder and he's just whispering in my ear and I just can't get away from it. He said, what am I supposed to do? He, he said, he just, he just keeps on and he just keeps on and he keeps on. Well, one of the reasons that he keeps on is because we keep listening. But number two, the pastor said this to him, full of wisdom. The pastor looked at him and he said, well, if he's sitting on your, on your shoulder, he's pretty small. Just thump him off. <laughs> just thump him off. Well, you and I need to do the same thing from a spiritual standpoint. Whenever the enemy comes, the Lord's going to lift up a standard against him. And some of us have always had that verse of scripture backwards, like the Lord is holding back, holding back the enemy off of us. That's not what he's doing. He's pressing forward. He's pressing forward, pushing the enemy out of the way. So you and I need to understand that because the next thing that we're going to talk about here is having faith to literally change our world. And the area that we're going to specifically talk about is finances. That's my assignment tonight, to talk about finances. And there's three things that preachers shouldn't talk about or they, they, they say they, they, don't, they don't want you to talk about. They don't want you to talk about their children. They don't want you to talk about your weight. I'll say that one again. They don't want you to talk about their weight. And they don't want you to talk about money. And I don't know why, because the Bible is full of scriptures concerning financial prosperity in your life. Matter of fact, it's part of the covenant. And we're covenant people. And so therefore, we shouldn't mind to be reminded about money. Well, some people think, well, that's all the church is after is your money. No, it's not. No, it's not. The church is after you getting a revelation of who you are and what you possess in the Lord Jesus Christ, that you'll get it so that you can become a great commodity in the kingdom of God because that's what he's made you to be. You're not... You're not hay, wood, and stubble. You're precious stones in the, in the eyes of Almighty God. So if you go with me to Genesis chapter number 12, verses 2 and 3. Now this is talking about Abraham. How many of you know that Abraham is the father of the faith? He is the father of the faith. And we'll find out why he's the father of the faith and why God made him such tremendous uh, promises concerning his life. He did not just 
pick out a man and just say, I'm going to make you wealthy. Whether you want to be wealthy or you don't want to be wealthy. He made him wealthy because he was prepared and ready to handle what it was that God was passing down the pipeline. But I want you to know that he did not get there without opposition. Everywhere he turned, the enemy tried to fight him in every way. All through the scripture, you find the same thing. Over and over and over, where men and women of God would move forward in a certain venue of, of life... And the enemy would attack them from every angle that he possibly could. Why? Because he was trying to detour them from getting to the finish line or to complete what God had called them to be and do for him. Every one of you in this room have a task. You have a responsibility. You have a gifting. You have a calling. You have a talent. You have abilities that God has placed on the inside of you and only you can satisfy him with that. And that's what completes his fatherhood. We just, we just celebrated Father's Day. And the thing that uh, uh, we, were, we need to remind ourselves is that our God has needs, which I never thought he did. I didn't think God ever had a need because he was the God that supplied all needs. I just never dreamed that he did, except when I found out that he's a father. And the reason he created you and I in the first place was to complete his fatherhood. And so he cherishes, that's the reason he tells you to praise him. That's the reason he tells you to worship. That's the reason he tells you to jump and to sing and to, to do all of the different things that he asks you to do and to, and to move forward and go forward because it fulfills his fatherhood in his creation. I'm created in the likeness and the image of God so that I can fulfill what it is that he's placed in me. Those talents, those giftings and abilities that are on side of me that only I can do and nobody else can do what he gave me assignment to do. Just like he can't do that, you can't, uh, nobody else can replace you. You're an impossibility to replace. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking about you. So how many of you are at Genesis chapter number 12? Verse number two, and he says, and I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and I will make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. How many families? All families of the earth have the right to be blessed, but they have to be willing and obedient to the plan that God established and Abraham had to do so. God expects us to believe for prosperity. Why? So that we can win entire nations. Not just individuals, but entire nations to the Lord, to Him before the return of Jesus. We have an assignment. Our assignment is to go and preach the gospel. Good news, not bad news. It's not CNN. It's not even Fox. 
It is the good news. The good news is, is he came and he set the captive free. He's not going to set the captive free. He set the captive free. Legally, everybody in the earth is saved because Jesus died once, poured out his blood once, and that was it. When he put it up on the mercy seat, it was finalized and finished. It's a done deal. Now, I'm going to make a bold statement here. If you're not prospering, it's not the preacher's fault. It's not God's fault. Because he made a way. It's there. So the only person's fault that it is, is the one that you look in the mirror at. And you need to talk to yourself and you need to tell yourself to stop it. You need to talk prosperity. You need to talk faith. You need to talk the victory. You don't need to talk doubt, fear, and unbelief. You need to speak words of faith. That's what he gave to you. It's the word of faith that's going to continue to operate and function in your life and get the results that you are desiring and wanting from the Lord. You are legally and rightfully already healed. I don't care what sickness, disease that you might have, what ailment might be bothering you, what part of your body might be ailing you. It doesn't make any difference. It does not change the validity of the word. He sent his word to heal you and to deliver you. Can we get good amen? Amen. Now I'm preaching better than what you're saying amen to. So he came to set you free. He came to set me free. Now I know that we all go through different things in life. We're faced with oppositions. We faced with everything else. Some people go to a doctor. Some people won't even go to the doctor because they're afraid they're not going to be in faith. Listen, where do you think that they get their information from? Listen, all information comes from the Lord. It comes from the Lord. Now, I know the devil comes and he tries to give information, but this is perverted information. He perverts things. He takes something that's real and perverts it to something that's negative. Amen? What's the opposite of fear? Faith. What's the opposite of hate? Love. And it just goes on down the line. The opposite of of anxiety and tension and frustration is, is what? To believe, to believe in what the Lord has done for you. And he's accomplished all this so that you can fulfill and satisfy the covenant upon this planet called earth. The reason things, you know, I've had people come to me and say, Pastor Phil, well, why does all this famine go on in the earth? Why do all of these, these babies get aborted and everything else? Why, why doesn't God do something about this? He already did. He did everything that he can possibly do, turned around and gave us the keys of the kingdom of heaven. He gave you and I the keys and it's up to you and I to take the keys and use the keys of the provision that God has. But you have to have revelation knowledge to do that with. 
And that's the reason that he said in Timothy, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. There's a right way and there's a wrong way. And we need to divide it rightly. Now you're taught well in this church. I'm taught well in this church. And I thank God that we are getting the word of God. And it's going to produce the results because we're hungry for the truth. He said, if you hunger after righteousness, you'll be filled. They that hunger, they that thirst after righteousness will be filled. You know, they came out to see Jesus on the side of a hill one time. You've, you've read the Beatitudes, I'm sure. And he was sitting on the side of a hill. Thousands were there listening to what he had to say all day long. I don't know if they had any bathroom breaks or not, but they were hungry. They were hungry for the word of God. Two pastors and myself went to the Philippine islands to start uh, a Bible college in the Philippines in uh, Mindanao, one of the, the main island, the largest island of the Philippines. And we went there in our first meeting, we supplied all of the food, we supplied uh, everything that was necessary. They brought their little mats and they slept on their little thin mats on the ground. But we fed them every day. And we had a, a particular building that we met in. And I never will forget it. When, they, when the, these, these ministers showed up uh, for the meeting, there was 89 of them that showed up. And they brought in little stools. They were one-legged stools. And I thought, what are they going to do with these one-legged stools? Are they, is it a game or something that they do? I mean, I didn't have a clue. They took those little one-legged stool because they didn't have places for them to sit. So they would put the stool down in a firm spot, and they would get back on it, and they would sit on this stool and balance themselves on the stool. And we would have like two-hour sessions. And... I would minister for like an hour and a half. We'd have a, a small break and everything else. And then someone else would step right back in about 15 minutes later. They would minister for an hour and a half, another break, 15 minutes. And be, a, be another speaker that would speak. The three of us would speak and everything else. for So six hours, they never left the room. They stayed right there on the stools. They never went to the bathroom, nothing. They sat right there. You know why? Because they were starving for the reality of who God was. They did not have that. We had men that traveled anywhere from four to 500 miles by way of jeepney, which is a, a little uh, jeep, army jeep that they stuffed with people, seats, you know, they would come by jeepney, water buffalo, canoes, and everything else just to get to the meeting. One guy, it took him 30 days to get there. 30 days for him to get because he didn't have money for transportation to afford for him to be able to take it. So he walked as much as he could, took a water buffalo, 
you know, to get to a determined destination. Then he would catch rides for free with people that were willing to take him. But it took him 30 days to get to the meeting. And so what I'm saying is how hungry are we? How hungry are we? When, when we went the second time there and we landed, the eye, as far as your eye could see down the road, there were people on each side of the road with big banners and, and welcome banners saying, Welcome, Pastor Phil. Welcome, Pastor so-and-so. Welcome. Welcome. And they were just lined up down the, the highway welcoming us. When we got ready to leave and come home, they were gathered at the airport, barricading the airport. And they, they didn't want us to leave. So they barricaded it, thinking that that would keep us from being able to get on the planes, I guess. But they came and they grabbed a hold of our legs, grabbed a hold of our legs, and they said, Please stay teach. Please stay teach. Please stay teach. Because they were hungry. And tears just streaming down their face. Well, that made tears stream down my face. So whenever I got home and went into my church that we had back in this, we were in West Texas at the time, pastoring our first pastorate. And I remember walking in that Sunday, I got up behind the pulpit and when I got behind the pulpit, I said, I'm back for one reason. And that's to get your money so I can go back to the Philippines and to minister to people that are hungry. They're starving for the gospel. You get it every week, and some of you, I can't even get to come down a block from your house to the church. Well, what's that got to do with, with prosperity? It has everything to do with uh, where our state of being is in our relationship with the Lord. And the, we're, we're in the last of the last days. It's perilous times. We see it all around us. It shouldn't catch us by surprise. We know what's going on, but it's the greatest hour of the church. We should be on top of things. We should be moving forward. We have the answers. We have the giftings. We have the callings. We have the talents. We have the abilities. Everybody that is here, we have something to offer to mankind. You may not be standing behind a pulpit. That's okay. This is a very small part of ministry anyway. Most of ministry is behind the scenes that most people never see. I promise you, pastor is not out on the golf course. Just playing golf all the time. Some pastors are. But not our pastor. He's not. And neither was I. Because there's something more important at this juncture in life. Obviously, he found favor, or Abraham found favor in the sight of the Lord because of his diligence to seek after God, to find him and to know him. And so when he found that kind of faithfulness, he decided that he wanted to embellish that faithfulness and put it to the test and see if he would not do exactly what he would be asked to do. How many of you remember he was told to go offer his son? Right? How many of you know most of us would not do that? How many of you know that he did not tell Sarah 
that he was going to go sacrifice their son upon the altar? I'm telling you right now, there would have been a real cat fight. There's no way mama is going to let her cub out of the nest. He didn't tell her. He just took him. And the young lad went because he loved his dad and was obedient to whatever it was that his father was asking him to do. And you remember the story. As they gathered up the wood, as they gathered up everything that was necessary and so forth, uh, you know, the, the son responded to dad. And he said, Dad, here's the wood. Here's the fire. Where's the offering? And what did Abraham, what did he say? The Lord will provide himself. He'll provide himself. In other words, if I have to sacrifice my son, he is obligated. This is a child of faith. This is a child of obedience to God to do what God told him to do. And if he had to sacrifice his child, then God had to raise him up. Because that child was to help produce all the nations that we know of, of the Lord. And he did exactly that. So God expects us to believe for prosperity so that we can win entire nations to him before the return of Jesus. It's, it's absolutely imperative. Go with me to Genesis 22. Genesis 22, 17 and 18. I'm going to read this twice, not both times right now, but there's something, there's something else in it that I want you to see besides what I'm about to share with you. And the scripture starting at verse 17 says that in blessing, I will bless thee and in multiplying, I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand, which is upon the seashore and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. Keep that in mind. Don't forget that. He said, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. How many of you know a gate is a door? It's a pathway. It's an opening. He said, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because thou hast obeyed my voice. Notice that the promise of prosperity wasn't just for Abraham, but it was for all of the seed and all of the nations of the world. That was the promise. That's what he made. So how many of you would qualify as being part of that seed? Well, you qualify. And we'll show you that in just a minute. In Romans chapter 4 and verse 3. Romans 4 verse 3. He said, well, for what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Abraham believed God. And it was counted unto him for righteousness. Abraham believed that God was able 
to prosper him. Now, what did he, what was the promise that he made to? He told him that he would have offspring as many as the stars that you could count in the sky and in the sand that was on the shore. And he didn't have any kids at the time. The promise had not come yet. Isaac had not shown up yet. How many of you know that Ishmael did show up? But he wasn't the seed of promise. Ishmael was exactly that. He was, he was a mistake in the sense that it wasn't from Sarah. It was to be from Sarah's womb. They got anxious. And, you know, Sarah said, why don't you take my handmaid? And I'm sure he sat there and said, no, 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 no way. No, 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 no. Remember, he's, he's promised a seed, right? You know, sometimes we want to spiritualize everything. No, Abraham was a human being. He had human emotions. He had feelings and everything else. Now he has permission. He has permission. Notice he never asked God about it. He didn't want to take take a chance that there'd be a no. (laughs) But we have a tendency to think that these are just Bible characters that we read about. These are real people with real circumstances and situations in life, just like you and I have. And they're faced with certain decisions and difficulties in life. And sometimes people make mistakes in life. And we have to be real careful that we don't go pointing our fingers because that doesn't mean that you have the right. You're not the judge. You're not the judge. You're only a fruit inspector. You have the right to inspect fruit. But you do not have the right to judge anyone. Judgment was left in the sovereignty of Almighty God Himself. So we don't have the right to judge anybody. We don't, you didn't walk in their moxkins. You don't know where they've been, what they've, what they've gone through in their life. That doesn't justify sin or anything else. But I'll tell you one thing. God took care of all of that too. I'm glad that he forgave us of our sin. Aren't you glad that whenever you repented and you asked him to forgive you, that it was washed away as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered anymore? So why do we keep bringing it up to him and saying, God, remember way back then? Quit rehearsing it. The only one that that makes you consider doing that is the devil because he's trying to deter you from the track. Just accept what God has done. He's washed, he's cleansed you and set you free from everything. He took care of everything pertaining to natural life and to godliness. So you have nothing to worry about. And if you do make another mistake in life, just open up your mouth and confess it. Get it taken care of with a heart. I mean, the Holy Ghost is already working on you, you know, to get rid of that in your life. So Abraham has been set up for the blessing because 
he is finding favor in the sight of God because of his obedience to the Lord to do what he told him to do. If you and I want to function and live in prosperity, then we have to do what it takes to produce prosperity. If we're going to change the earth, it's going to take money. Honey. It's going to take money. How many of you can barter for your electricity bill? Days of bartering are gone. They're gone. You can't offer goats for electricity. They don't want your goats. They don't want your chickens and they don't want your eggs. and They don't want any of those other things. They want money because they need money to be able to take care of their obligations and responsibilities in life. Amen? Amen. No matter how big of a mess that this nation is in right now, and we're in a mess. The nation is in a mess, but God's not in a mess. God didn't create this problem. God has already resolved this problem, taken care of it by us putting faith and confidence in the ability of God's word and using seed time and harvest. It's a law that he has put into his word so that we will never, ever run out. You can't quit giving. If you quit giving, you're just like shooting yourself in the foot. Now you're lame and you can't get anywhere. You, you and I have to come to a realization that God knows best. Father knows best. Amen? He knows best. Most, some of you are old enough to remember Father Knows Best. You know, the sitcom thing that we had on TV. What was his name, Robert Young? Robert Young, Father Knows Best. It was a sitcom. It's like Ozzie and Harriet. How many of you remember Ozzie and Harriet? Oh, I'm before your time. Lawrence Welk. We better get back. Let's get back to the word here. Romans chapter number four and verse 16. So God was able to prosper him to a level that he could affect families and nations of the world. He really blessed him. And he's really wanting to bless you and I. Romans 4, 16 says, Therefore it is a faith that it might be by grace to the end of the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Galatians 3.29. And if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed. Say, I'm Abraham's seed. And heirs according to the promise. Now, how many covenant people do I have in the room? Listen, covenant 
by God is unbreakable. Now, you can violate it, but he will never violate his part of covenant. He's the faithful God. He never changes. When he puts something into motion, it continues to exist. Did you know that light, when he said, light, let there be light. Did you know that light is still being? Did you know that it's still being, 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 being? It has never stopped. Let there be light and light is still going on. Generating and creating light wherever it goes. You know, whenever you and I go, you know, some people say, well, God, God moves at the speed of light. He does not. He moves at the speed of thought. Whatever he thinks, whatever he speaks out of his mouth, it just is. And when he said what he said concerning that I am Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What promise? All of the promises of God, which are yes and amen. All of them. Don't do away with the Old Testament. The Old Testament has a lot of promises and provisions. Everything that is a promise and a provision in the Old Covenant was was a, has been appropriated by Jesus into the new covenant. Jesus came and satisfied the laws and the prophets for you and I. He fulfilled them all. Otherwise, you and I, all of us in this room, probably would be pushing up daisies. Because we've all failed the things of God. Not intentionally, necessarily. But... God made a promise. How many of you, when you see a rainbow, it does not represent the gay community. I'm sorry. The rainbow represents Almighty God. He said, when you see this rainbow in the sky, just remember, I will never, ever, 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 ever destroy this earth again as I did before. The devil takes something that's real and perverse it to something that's not real. It's not a reality. Not one man, another man can produce a child. Two women can't produce a child. God made male and female. He married Adam and Miss Adam. He didn't marry Adam and Steve or Martha and Mary. I'm sorry. It's in the Bible. Why should the church be afraid to even talk about it anymore? The promises are yes and amen. We, we, need, we have to come back to the word. The, the strength of the church is the revelation she gets of what Jesus and what God promised in his word. So that we can fulfill that. That doesn't mean we hate people. That doesn't mean we despise people. That doesn't mean that we reject people. It means that we speak the truth in love. The thief has come to steal. He's come to kill and he's come to destroy. 
He said, but I've come that you might have. I've come that you might have. Amen. So our commission, we're at Galatians 3, 29. It says, and if you be Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. This is our commission and this is our call. We've been commissioned by the Lord to prosper. He wants you to prosper just as much as he wants you to get healed. Just as much as he wants you to get delivered. He wants you to be blessed. Well, I just don't think it's that important of how much money I have in the bank. It's not a matter of how much you have. It's how much you're willing to let go of. It's not what you possess. It's whom you possess. He owns it all, by the way. He said, the earth is mine and the fullness thereof. If he wants it, let him have it. My precious wife sitting up on the front row here. I could always tell whenever she was writing everything out of the checkbook. Because she would always put her hand over the checkbook like this. And she commenced to writing. I knew. There it goes. (laughs) The only thing I ever told her was, it better be God. (laughs) If God told you to do it, it's no problem. I'm in agreement. All the time when there's special offerings and stuff, we would pray. And uh, she had asked me, she'd say, honey, what do you think we ought to give? I said, you go pray. I'm going to go pray. And then we'll come back together and we'll tell what the Lord spoke to us. And I'm telling you, Every time, it would be the same figure. Every time. It's amazing. There's only two or three times, I think, in in a few years gone by that we didn't have the same figure. And whoever had the highest one, that's the one we did. We always went with the high one. We just got in agreement and we went with the highest figure. But God, I'm his sheep. I know his voice and I follow his voice and the voice of a stranger will not follow. I do know the voice of the Lord. So do you. Some of you just have an intuition. Let me tell you, if he tells, if the offering is being taken... And a voice speaks to you and says, I I want you to empty your checkbook out. Don't say, Satan, get behind me. (laughs) Don't do that. You're in church. I know he shows up. But he's not welcome here. And we send him out the front door. Tries to come in, right? Amen. Genesis chapter 22 and verse number 17 and 18 again. I told you I was going to read it to you twice. 
He said that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemy. And that's what I want to imply to you right now, is we are to possess the gate of the enemy, not the enemy possessing our gates. We're supposed to be in control, not the enemy. The reason that our nation is in the problem that it is in is because we kick God out of government, we kick God out of our schools, we kick God out of our universities, and now we have a mess, and the reason we have a mess is because God is no longer in there. And now we have churches that are in agreement with much of what's going on in the world. And we need to stand with God, and we need to stand up for what's right. We're supposed to be in control, not the enemy. He said, and in, in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because thou hast obeyed my voice. That's the reason. Obedience was the reason why Abraham was so blessed and God could bless him and prosper him was because prosperity didn't have Abraham. God had Abraham. And Abraham was willing to do whatever that God told him to do. Without question. Without complaining. With, without, why? Just because God said. If God says jump, jump. If God says lift up holy hands in the sanctuary, don't just stand there like a wooden Indian. Get them hands up. Amen? That doesn't mean you have to do it all the time, but whenever, whenever the leader is saying, okay, let's worship the Lord, everybody, lift your hands to the Lord and bless the Lord. That's the time for everybody to get in agreement and lift our hands to the Lord and bless Him. Amen? It's okay. You can lift your hand anytime. Satan's greatest stronghold, which prevents the church from touching the nations of the world, is the fact that it controls the wealth. The wealth is being controlled by the world and its system. God's system is much greater and much better. How many of you remember in the scripture where it says that the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. The wealth of the sinner, the wealth of the unrighteous is laid up for the righteous. The Bible says, Give, it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall he cause men to give into your bosom. I had someone in our church come up to me and they said, Pastor Phil, this is the last church that we pastored. They said, Pastor Phil, uh, I just won a lottery and I'd like to bring the tithe of that uh, lottery money 
uh, to you. I'd like to tithe it to the church. Will you receive it? I said, yes. <laughs> well, I haven't made it out yet. I said, why not? They said, well, because we didn't know if you would receive it or not. I said, well, why wouldn't I receive it? I said, the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. I'm not calling you wicked, but where you got it from is wicked. And so we might as well take wicked and turn it into blessing. We'll change it. We'll pray over it. We'll convert it. We'll convert it into something that's healthy and good and it'll be you know, awesome for other people to be blessed by. Amen. Now, that's not permission for you to go and play the lottery. I had another man come to me and he said, he said, Pastor Phil, I prayed. I really thought about this. He says, I do not play scratch cards. And I said, that's a good thing. He said, but I was praying one morning and the Lord gave me these numbers. And I said, what? You went, you went and did a scratch card or whatever it was that you went after? He said, yeah, the Lord gave me this number. And he told me, he said, I felt impressed in my spirit to go to this place and get this scratch card. He said, I've never done this in my entire life. But I did it because I really felt the unction of the Lord to do it. So he went, he got the scratch card, they scratched it, and it was a major amount of money. And he said, I just wanted to know if you would accept the tithe. I said, give it to me. (laughs) Absolutely. Now, am I encouraging him to do that again? No. Do I encourage anybody to do that? No, I don't. But the wealth of the wicked is stored up and it is waiting for you and I to receive it. If somebody... Uh, I never will forget. Old Roberts came on his show when it was when they were building the the hospital and the uh, and everything else. And a man came up to him in the world, and uh, he said, uh, "Oral, he said, uh, I, I'm fascinated by what you're doing." And he said, "I'm not a Christian. Probably will never be a Christian, but I like what you're doing and everything else." He said, "I have a check for you for one million dollars. Will you receive it from me?" He said, thank you. That was his first $1 million check that he had received for that project. And he received it. Why? Because God can use whoever he wants to use. What are you going to do? Say no? Satan's greatest stronghold is to keep the blessing of God from you. And if the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just, let God be God and let God do however he wants to do it. However he chooses to do it. He, he can cause things to happen that you necessarily would not agree with. But he can still do it. He's God. It's his anyway, right? The earth is his and the fullness thereof. The gold and the silver, it's all his. It belongs to him. So we shouldn't complain about us giving our 10%. You get to keep 98% of it. That's your 100%. You get to keep the 100% of that which he allotted to you, which was 90%. That's your 100%.
and the other is the Lord's. That's the best investment that you're ever going to get. Because anything that you give to the Lord, He multiplies it. You just can't outgive the Lord. Here recently, we've been driving up at, uh, you know, it's at uh, like McDonald's and different places like that. And, and we pull up and, and, and uh, we're going to pay our bill. And they say, your bill's already paid. I said, what? I said, yes, your bill's already paid. The person in front of you paid for your bill. I said, thank you, Jesus. So did Diane. Thank you, Jesus. We go up to another place, pull up. Somebody in front of us paid for our meal. They don't know us. We don't know them. They just were being a blessing, you know, and paid for the bill. I don't know if they're saved or not saved. The Lord just will do different things for you. He'll just give you favor. Amen. God's just a good God. He just takes care of things. We will possess the gates of the enemy. That's what he said. We will possess the gates of the enemy. His gates are doors and avenues that the Lord opens to us. We can't be closed-minded. We have to become unlimited in how God wants to do things. Do, Do you care how it gets to you? Really? Now, I'm not talking about blood money. I'm not talking about that that sort of thing. I'm talking about just how let God be God. He's a righteous God. He'll he'll do things justly. In Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 22, it says, A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. We just got through quoting that a minute ago. Whoever controls the wealth, whoever controls the wealth, establishes the spiritual climate. You want to know why our nation's in a mess? It's because the spiritual climate has been controlled by the wrong people. The church has set back on her laurels and everything else and has not done anything about what's been going on. Did you know it only took Madeline Murray O'Hara, one person, an atheist woman in Texas here, who is no longer with us, one person to get a million petitions to get prayer off the charts in schools. That's all. One person, an ungodly person. What did the church do? Nothing. Because we just assumed that it would always be that way. We just assumed that God would just intervene and take care of it. But God gave you and I the keys of the kingdom. Things happen because we do something about it. We can't be passive about it. We have to be bold as a lion and take a stand for what the gospel has to say. We need to recognize that the church is going to win thousands and millions of souls if we have the ability to do so. If we don't have the ability to do so, it's going to hinder us from being able to get what we need to get. The pipeline, 
you know, the, the gospel is free, but the pipeline costs something. So we have to realize that in order to get the provisions that we need from the Lord. Whoever controls the, the wealth establishes the spiritual climate. In uh, Deuteronomy 8 and 18, just a couple more scriptures. Are, are you getting anything out of this? Is this, is this helping any of you? I mean, it's so important. I can't stress the importance of what we're sharing tonight. Every one of you, if someone brought you a check for a million dollars tonight, I believe that you would accept it. Amen. I learned my lesson a long time ago. I went with a guest speaker, flew with him to a specific location uh, in Indiana. We were living in Texas at the time. I met him at the airport, flew to Indiana on a one-way ticket. That's all I had money for was one way. And I was believing God to take care of my plane fare back and to take care of the plane fare that I just spent. Plus, I was believing for a little bit more because we needed it because we were making a move to our first church location, and we needed the money to be able to do that. So I got there, and he did all of the evening services and everything else, and they asked me if I would do the morning services uh, there at the church. And I said, I'd be happy to do that. And uh, so I did. I ministered and everything else. And the last night comes, he stand, or the gentleman I was with, he stood up uh, and did his last message, came and sat back down after it was over with and everything else. And, and the pastor comes to the podium and, and is grateful. The people were grateful for the meetings that we had and everything else. And... and uh, they said, uh, uh, Pastor Phil, uh, or he just said, uh, Phil Thurman ministered in the morning sessions. How many of you enjoyed those, those uh, messages and everything else? And people clapped and everything else and so forth. And he said, well, you know what? We want to give him a Pentecostal handshake today. <laughs> now, I didn't know what a Pentecostal handshake was. <laughs> Never knew what a Pentecostal handshake was. I didn't know what a pounding was either in a church, a church pounding. I thought they were going to beat you up. So I'm not going to any pounding just to get beat up. No way. Well, that's a pound of this and a pound of that and a pound of this and a pound of that. But I didn't know that. Same way about the Pentecostal handshake. I'm talking to the preacher next to me, and, and uh, I said, uh, he's, he said, let's give him a Pentecost. I said, I don't want to shake anybody's hand. I'm not interested in shaking anybody's hand. And he said, why? I said, because I just don't want to shake anybody's hand tonight. I don't feel like shaking anybody's hand. He said, you're all upset and bent out of shape because something hasn't happened yet. I said, just leave me alone and let me pout. Let me do whatever I'm going to do. Just leave me alone. He said, I'm not going to go shake people's hands. He said, I'm telling you to go stand back there and shake people's hands. And I said, I'm not going to do it. 
He said, I'm telling you, as your pastor, to get out of here, out of this seat, and go back there and stand and shake the people's hands and thank them for coming to hear the messages. I said, well, you go back there and stand. You need to shake their hands too. He said, he said it was for you. Get yourself up there and go back there. So I got up and walked back there and stood. People come by, you know, and one man, he came by and he shook my hand. And, and when he shook my hand, he, he let go. And something was between my hand and his hand. I didn't know what it was. And it just fell to the ground. It was money. I said, you drop this. He said, no, I didn't drop this. He said, that's for you. And I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, that's a Pentecostal handshake. <laughs> he said, don't you know what a Pentecostal handshake is? I said, no, sir. I did not have a clue. He said, your pastor needs to teach you something. And so I said, well, thank you. I, I really appreciate that. And I put it in my pocket. Somebody else came up. They had something between their hand and my hand. And I took it and I put it in my pocket. Somebody else came up, put it in my pocket. My pocket's bulging out here like this. This pocket's bulging out here like this. I had on my jacket. I put money in my jacket on outside. I put money on the jacket on the inside, both sides of my jacket and everything else. Put it in my back pockets. I, I put it everywhere I could put it. And so after afterwards, of course, I'm excited now. Everybody walks up. I'm looking. I'm, I'm just reaching. I'm just reaching out. Some didn't want to shake my hand. They just... I'm reaching. That, that, that was exciting. So after it was over with, I pastor comes up to, of the church, came up to me, and he said, uh, he said, Phil, do you think you, you got what you needed? And I said, I have no idea. He says, you go take it up on the platform right now and you count it. And if you don't have what you were believing God for, he said, I'm going to make up the difference. I said, okay. So I went up on the platform, pulled it all out. People are still in the sacred, pulled it all out. And uh, me and the pastor I was with, we went over and we started counting all of it. Well, all of it came in, but $10. All of it came in, except for $10. And the pastor comes up to me and he said, Pastor Phil, did you get everything that you needed? I said, yes, sir. I did. I got everything I really needed. I'm, I'm very grateful and thankful. He said, if you're short, he says, I'll make up the difference. I said, it's not necessary. No. I, I'm very grateful for what you did. I thank you so much. I get home. We go to church, the first service back to our home church and everything else. And a lady comes running up to me and she says, Pastor Phil, Pastor Phil, Pastor Phil. I said, what? She said, I meant to get this to you before you left. It was just, it's just a small love gift, but I just, I, I missed you before you went out of town. And I'm so sorry, but I'm, I'm glad I can give it to you now. She handed it to me. Guess what it was? $10. Every bit of it was made up. God is good. Amen. Wealth enables us and gives us the establishment of the covenant of God. Third John 2 says, beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper be in health, even as thy soul prospers. So it's God's will for you to prosper and to be blessed. You should never look at prosperity as something that uh, you don't think you want to be a part of. 
It's, it's, not, it's not what you're possessing, it's whom you're possessing. It's your attitude and how you receive. What I did at that ministry, when I ministered to people, I did it in love, and I did it not expecting to receive. I really did. But I didn't know how I was going to get home. But God knew. And I and I had agreed. And if any two on this earth will agree as touching anything they ask, it will be done of our Father, which is in heaven. I can tell you story after story after story after story how God has supernaturally intervened in our lives. You just can't outgive God. And I'm expecting great and mighty things. Amen? And you need to be too. Amen? God bless you.